Take your Bible with me this morning and find your place at Philippians chapter 4. You say, Pastor, I thought we finished Philippians last week. Well, no, we haven't quite finished Philippians, but we will today. And really, this all ties together with the theme of missions, faith, promise, uh, missions. And I want to begin reading in a moment at verse 10. I want to read through verse 19, and then we're going to have a few moments of prayer together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, this is the time of the year when we focus on missions and we remind ourselves of what is central to the work of your church. I pray, Lord, that our congregation will never lose sight of what you have called us to do. Lord, there's a lot of things vying for our attention, a lot of things pulling at us in a lot of different directions. But I pray, Lord, that we will always stay focused on what you have given, the ultimate purpose that you have given the church to accomplish. We, we pray for our missionaries, men and women serving all over the world, nearly 90 missionaries or missionary projects that we partner with right now, new missionaries that are joining us with Megan and Nguyen's family. And Lord, we pray that as we continue to reach out to our world with the gospel of Christ, that you will call your people uh, to be givers, supporters, participants, partners in what you're doing. Lord, help us today as we look to this passage in Philippians and we see how a church supported a missionary and why they did so. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's not a lot on TV to watch much anymore. I guess you probably figured that out. At least not a lot of things that are decent to watch on TV, but one of the things that I enjoy watching, if I can find it, or I will look it up on YouTube, are some of the blooper videos. You know, the America's Funniest Videos kind of blooper uh, videos. And I especially like the sports bloopers videos. You can see some very bizarre and some strange plays and events that happen in the course of, you know, these athletic competitions. I saw one where a basketball player was shooting at the basket the ball hit the back of the rim, it bounced up high over the backboard, hit the framing that held the backboard in place, came back over the backboard and through the basket. And I'm sure if you would ask that player, did you plan that, he would say, sure, I absolutely planned that. 
Or the golfer that I saw who hit his golf shot out into the fairway. You know, those beautifully manicured fairways, nicely mown grass, like heaven's going to look like and like heaven's going to be. Uh, the, that beautifully mown grass, and he hit the golf ball out onto the f- beautiful fairway, and he's walking now to get to where his golf ball is, and one of the seabirds lands next to the golf ball and takes its beak and begins to push the golf ball around and then grabs at the golf ball trying to pick it up and finally is able to pick up the golf ball and flies off. So I guess there's more than one way to get a birdie. One particular one that I want to use as the illustration today took place between two soccer teams in a soccer match. One team was advancing the ball down the field. They were moving toward their opponent's goal. Of course, they were being contested, and they were having to pass the ball back and forth and you know, just trying to get down where they could shoot at the goal. Out on the flank, one of the players had the ball, and he notices his teammate who is moving quickly towards the goal. He thinks there's going to be an opening to be able to make a kick on goal. And so he sends the ball over to his teammate who's making this break. When the ball gets there, he, he lets it hit his body. It falls down in front of him. And for a, a brief second or so, he looked up, I suppose, to see where he was going to kick, what corner of the, the goal he was going to aim for. But what he didn't realize, that while he had looked up, the ball was moving more quickly than he was running. And by the time he went to kick the ball, it had moved away from him, and he kicked and he whiffed it all together. He fell flat on his back, and of course by that time the opponents have come and they've gotten the ball and they've cleared it out. And there he lays in total embarrassment. Now, do you know why he missed the ball? Because he got his eye off the ball. You know, um, in baseball, you have to keep your eye on the ball. In golf, you have to keep your eye on the ball. In tennis, uh, U.S. Uh, tennis open. You have to keep your eye on the ball. A lot of sports, you got to make sure that you are focused on the ball. And if you're not, you can very quickly get yourself in trouble. And that serves as an illustration for us today of what can happen with our churches. Uh, Not that we're going to play soccer together. We're going to divide you up into two soccer teams. But that In fact, churches sometimes can get their eye off the proverbial ball and forget what the church is really all about. So let me stop just for a moment. Let me ask you a question. What is the central mission of Lewis Memorial Baptist Church and what should be of every church? What is the central mission of Lewis Memorial Baptist Church? Well, if you don't know the answer to that, it's found at least in part in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Listen to it. Jesus speaking to his disciples, this last command that he would give them. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And that, my friends, is the central purpose of the church's existence in this world. Aside from our worshiping God as believers together, our mission, our central mission in this world is the mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing people to faith in Jesus and leading them into discipleship, following the Lord on a consistent, faithful basis. You know, when you think about that central purpose, it is not a week that goes by, I don't think, that I don't get an email, I don't get a phone call, I don't get a snail mail letter, I don't get a, 
some kind of contact from somebody who wants me and wants our church to join their cause. And you understand there are lots of causes in this world that people want you to join. For instance, I get requests for things like ending social injustice or alleviating poverty or rescuing sex slaves or saving the unborn or working for reconciliation of the races or promoting women's rights or defending children's rights or care for immigrants or adoption and foster care needs or blood drives and on and on the list every week. Somebody has something that they want us to join them in. And the truth of the matter is, some of the causes that come across my desk are important causes. They're very important things that we, on an individual basis, if we're able to accomplish them, maybe we can be a part of some of those things. But we can never get our eye off the ball. The mission of the church isn't any of those previously mentioned things. The end game for the church is not any of those previously mentioned things. The end game for the church is the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. Some of those things may be a means to an end, but they can never become an end in themselves. And a lot of churches do. They get their eye off the ball. And suddenly they move from what is their central primary mission to something that is secondary and not primary. And before you know it, they've lost the focus on what God intends his church to do. So let's talk about that for a little while today. Let's be reminded. We set aside a period of time every year to make sure that we have our eye on the ball, to make sure that we are focused on our mission, to make sure that the means hasn't become the end And that the end game for the church is always the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to some of the other gospels and in the book of Acts, what it says about this very thing. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Or Jesus in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47 said, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Or in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, Jesus said to them, that's to his disciples, Peace to you, as the Father hath sent me, I also send you. Or in the book of Acts, which is really a continuation of the Gospel of Luke, he writes, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus is speaking, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, over and over again, repeatedly, the last command is to be our first priority. And that last command is that we would be a people who are committed to the spread of the gospel of Jesus. If there are other things that we can do in the process of doing so, we certainly want to be salt and light in the world in which we live. But we can never get our eye off the ball. We can never forget that the means isn't the end. That it may be a means to the end, but the end is the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can never change that 
focus. Where would we be today if the Apostle Paul had lost his focus on his mission? Peter opened the way for the gospel to go to the Gentiles, but it's the Apostle Paul who traveled across the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and brought people to faith in Jesus and planted churches, started churches amongst the Gentile people. It's the Apostle Paul. Where would we be today had Paul gotten focused on a social issue? Or Paul gotten focused on saving Rome? Or Paul gotten focused on some other secondary matter and lost his focus on what was the primary calling of every Christian in every church, the sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Where would we be today? I suppose God could have gotten the gospel to the Gentiles in some other fashion. God isn't limited by our shortcomings. But God chose to use the Apostle Paul, and it's a daunting thought when you stop and you realize what would have happened if Paul had been disobedient and had gotten focused on the means rather than on the end, which was bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the verses that we read here a few minutes ago, the Apostle Paul is talking about missions and missions giving. A little bit later, uh, you get to verses 20 to 22, uh, he gives some words of farewell, and then when you get to verse 23, he gives a closing benediction and then a doxology. But our focus for the next few minutes is going to be on verses 10 to 19, where Paul is talking about missions, and he's talking about missions giving. And he's talking about this church at Philippi that had partnered with him financially to help him be able to accomplish the work that God had given him to do. And the way I want us to think about it for the next few minutes is I want us to consider why you should join the rest of us in giving to the cause of missions, what we call faith promise. I'll explain why we call it faith promise in a moment. But why you, above your ties to the local ministry, the local work of the mission, should give beyond that to the cause of world missions, international missions, through the cause of faith promise giving. There's four reasons I want to show you from this text of Scripture, and maybe you'll just write them down so that you can remember them and let them be a motivation for you in the coming years. The first reason that we want to partner with our missionaries through giving is because it meets the needs of our missionaries. You realize that to be able to live in a foreign country, to learn the language, to be able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in a place that is not their home, many of them are not allowed in the various countries where they live to take a job because you're taking a job away from one of the nationals. The only way they're able to be there and to be able to consistently give the gospel is that you and I and other churches like ours partner together to help them be able to financially have their needs met. You realize that what it takes you to live here, it takes a missionary to live in another country where he or she is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And the Apostle Paul, as he's traveling across the countryside and as he's preaching the gospel is writing, in essence, in these closing verses, a thank you note, and he's saying, thank you, Philippians, thank you, because repeatedly, again and again, you have given to my necessity. Notice how he writes it, verse 11. He says, not that I speak in regard to, what's the word, need, or in verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer, what's the word, need, 
In verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my, here's the word, distress. Or in verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my, what's the word, necessities. Why, pastor, should I consider giving to the cause of missions through our faith promise missionary outreach? Why should I consider that? Because it meets the needs of our missionaries. Missionaries, to be able to do the work that God's called them to do, have expenses and responsibilities that have to be paid. Have you discovered that your electric company and your gas company and your water company, that they don't accept love notes from you? Well, they might accept them from you, but they won't be sufficient from you, right? Not, it's not true for you? I mean, it is true. There are bills to be paid. There are practical responsibilities that have to be cared for. There are necessities that have to be met. And Paul writes to this church and says, listen, you met those necessities again and again and again. There was a time, he says, when you weren't able to do that. We don't know why. Maybe it was because they were under severe persecution or maybe it was because of the extensive travels of Paul and they didn't know exactly where he was or how to get the resources to him. But he says, you have been the most consistent church to partner with me in the work of missions. Since I left Macedonia to this day, you have consistently come back and helped me. And what kind of expenses would Paul have? He sometimes worked as a tent maker in a bivocational way, but what expenses would he have? Well, think about it for a moment. Where is he right now? When he's writing the book of Philippians, he's in the city of Rome, he's under arrest, he's chained to a guard 24-7, and he had a choice, apparently. You can rent a house and stay there, chained to the guard, or you can stay in the Roman prison. If you rent the house, then you've got to pay the expenses. If you stay in the prison, there are no expenses. Where would you want to stay? Right? Where would you want to stay? And the Apostle Paul wants to be in a house. You know why? Because Paul can entertain people, more expense. He can entertain people who are coming in to see him. He can minister to them, send them out preaching the gospel. And what's he doing in the process? All of those guards that are chained to him, he's giving the gospel to them again and again and again so that some of even the Roman guard, the Praetorium guard, comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And this church has been partnering with him to meet these very practical needs that every single person has in the course of living out their lives. I got on an elevator at one of our local hospitals several years ago, not recently. Several years ago when I was a younger man and didn't know exactly how to answer, he saw my pastor's badge. I always clip it to my shirt. And he saw my pastor's badge. I was riding up a staff elevator, one of the back elevators of the hospital, and the doctor got on with me. And I didn't know the doctor. I don't think the doctor knew me, but he saw my badge. He knew I was a pastor. And I get, you know, when you're in a, when you're an elevator, you're sort of awkward. You know, do I talk or do I not talk? What do you say? You know, do you say hello? Especially now behind masks. You know, are they even noticing who you are? And so he he spoke up and he said. I see you're a pastor. You guys are always after money. I was younger. I did not want to offend. But I wanted to say, I think you guys bill every time we come see you. I mean, last time I checked, doctors bill every time you come see them. They might bill your insurance. They might bill you. 
but they bail. You know why? They have practical needs, right? You want them to have the best equipment. You want them to have the best tools and resources. You want them to have the best of things to be able to treat you. You don't mind that they live in a nice house and they're able to have a good living. You don't mind that. They've worked for it. But they have needs that have to be met both in their office and in their own personal lives. Missionaries have needs. They have needs to take care of themselves and their families. They have needs to take care of the ministry that God is opening up through them in the country where they're serving. Why do we give to missions? I'll tell you why we give to missions. Because it meets the needs of our missionaries. It helps them to be able to stay and to do what it is that God has called them to do. Look again at verse, look again at verse 14, talking about meeting their needs. He says, nevertheless, you have, notice the next two words, done well. But by giving as you have given through Epaphroditus, who was the courier that brought these gifts, I, I want to be able to say to you, you've done well, and you've helped me in my necessities. Thank you. Missionaries, I don't know if you know this or not, but they don't get to the field and get to plant dollar bills and suddenly trees grow up with dollar bills falling off. It doesn't happen that way. It happens very practically by people like you and I, with people like you and I who are faithful to give, who participate in giving through faith promise giving to help our missionaries be able to stay on the field. And we meet very practical needs in the course of doing so. Aren't we thankful that we have that privilege you see, you and I can be either a cistern or we can be a spring. We can be a cistern or we can be a spring. You know the difference? A cistern holds water. It has no inlet. It has no outtake. It holds water. You know what a spring is? It's a constant flow of the fresh waters. It has an intake. It has an outflow. It's a constant flow of fresh waters. And yet a lot of churches have become like Quarters. Uh, too many of our churches have become cisterns. We've become siloed, where we're holding and storing up for ourselves as if if we lose something, somehow the ministry is going to shut down. And the reality is it's exactly the opposite. It's the church that functions as a spring that is the church that has the resources to continue doing all that God's given them to do. Our church has given over three million dollars to missions in the last 10 years. Over three million dollars to missions in the last 10 years. I went back and did a little thinking in my own mind beyond that. Because we've been involved in Faith Promise Missions since I came here 38, almost 38 years ago. We've given somewhere between eight million and 10 million dollars to the work of missions over the course of that time. We started out small, and it just kept growing, and it kept growing, and the last 10 years, we've given more than $3 million to the work of missions. We have almost 90 missionaries and missionary projects that are going on somewhere in the world carrying the gospel. And did you know that there's not a day that passes, not a 24-hour period of time that passes that we don't have somebody Awake and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world in which we live. I mean, in every time zone, there's somebody awake that we've partnered with who's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, discipling people, sh sharing the good news of Jesus. Somewhere in the world, 24 hours a day, we have people that are sharing the gospel. Why? We want to be a church that's a spring. Do they have to spend some money to have a car and gasoline? Sure. 
Do they have to spend some money to have a house and furniture in which to live? Sure. Do they have to spend some money for food that goes on the table? Sure. Do they have to spend some money to rent a building where they could have the meeting of the church? Sure. They have practical needs. And the Apostle Paul says, you gave to my necessities. And you should consider participating in giving to missions through our faith promise giving because it meets these practical needs. Secondly, we should consider partnering with missionaries. We all should consider partnering with our missionaries through giving because it enriches our own lives. Did you know that you are enriched when you give to the work of missions? Giving is not only good because of what it does for the missionary, it's good for what it does for us. I invite you to come back to verse 17 and notice what he says. Not that I seek the gift. In other words, Paul says, I'm not after your money. If you give it, that's because you willingly desire to give it. I'm not after your money, but I want to tell you, when you give to meet the needs that are represented in the ministry of missions where I'm involved, I mean, other than Jesus, can you think of a more consummate missionary than the Apostle Paul? Listen to what he says. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. The fruit that abounds. You know, one of the things that Paul was always concerned about in the lives of believers was that they be fruitful. Turn back to Philippians chapter 1, where we studied many weeks ago. And notice what he says. I'll begin reading uh, in verse 9. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now listen, being filled with the, here's the word, fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's what Paul was talking about. He's telling us that when we give to missions, there is a return that comes back to us. As a matter of fact, uh, these words, to your account, fruit that abounds to your account, those are accounting terms in the Greek language. They're accounting terms. They have to do with giving and dividends that come back as a result of the investment. Investments and dividends that return. Do you realize that when you give to the cause of missions, whether it's our local mission or it's our international mission, do you realize that there are dividends, fruit, that abounds to your account? One of the things that our church does, just so you know, is that we take a percentage of our general fund and we give it to the cause of missions. I asked that that be done a number of years ago, many years ago. Take a percentage. Why? Because I know some people will never give to missions. They never stop to think about giving to missions. And so in doing, we corporately are investing in missions. Why? Because I want fruit to abound. Why? Because I want to invest so that there'll be dividends that return. Why? Because when you invest, God gives back. That's why. And we take a percentage. I'm always trying to get them to increase the amount of that percentage. You can never outgive God when it comes to participating in the mission that God has given us. Amen? You can never outgive God when it comes to that. Why? Because there's fruit that abounds to your account. You invest it, and you know what God does? God just sends it back. He makes you fruitful in return. This is, this is not that sow a seed stuff that you hear in prosperity theology. You know, give me $1,000 and you'll have everything you need for the rest of life. Please don't be fooled 
please don't be fooled by that. We're talking about investing in something that is eternal. We're talking about investing in what is central. I've already proven it to you. What is central to the cause of the church? The spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that this that comes back to you enriches you? First of all, you're enriched spiritually. You're enriched spiritually. Sacrificial giving produces spiritual growth in the givers as well as support for the missionaries. I thought a story was interesting that I heard recently about a pastor that preached on heaven one Sunday, and a member of his congregation said to him after the, after the message, Pastor, you preached about heaven, and it must be a wonderful place, but you didn't tell us where it is. So the pastor responded and said, Well, let me give you this address. I want you to take some things that we've prepared, a, a basket of food, some other things, and I want you to take it to the address of this widow who lives at that house. And while you're there, I want you to read Psalm 23, then give her the gift, then I want you to have a word of prayer with her before you leave. Well, the member did exactly what the pastor asked, and the next Sunday he came back and he said to the pastor, Pastor, I found out where heaven is, and I experienced a little bit of it this week. Do you know where you experience a little bit of heaven every week? When you give to God, when you give to the work of God, when you give to the mission of God. There's fruit that abounds to your account. There's a spiritual enriching that takes place in your life. Those of you that are with my wife and me who are giving to Faith Promise Missions beyond our ties through our local church, those of you that are giving to Faith Promise Missions know that when a missionary letter comes in, it's altogether different when you're giving to missions and when you're not giving to missions. When the Connect Magazine comes out and we highlight a missionary or two in the Connect magazine. There's always a difference in the way you read that when you've been giving to missions. When missionaries visit us, like the Guins, like Megan, and others that come through periodically, not right now with the COVID thing going on, but when missionaries are coming through, there's altogether a difference when they're here and the excitement of them being here when you're giving to missions than when you aren't giving to missions. It enriches us spiritually. But not only does it enrich us spiritually, it enriches us eternally. It's laying up treasures in heaven. When you're giving to what Jesus says is the central thing that we're supposed to be doing, please understand, sex slavery and abortion and saving people and all of these things are important, but that's not the central mission of the church. The central mission of the church is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end of the world. And the other things may be a means to an end, but they're not an end in themselves. And too many of us get our eye off the ball and forget what we're here to accomplish. And when we do that, the fruit doesn't come. It doesn't abound to our account. We're not enriched spiritually, and we're not laying up treasures in heaven. We're not enriched eternally. In Dallas, Texas is the First Baptist Church of Dallas. For 47 years, Dr. George W. Truett was the pastor of the church. He was followed by Dr. W.A. Criswell, who pastored the church for 50 years. For 97 years, they had two pastors. Think about that. 97 years, they had two pastors. Dr. Truett was a very gifted speaker, as was Dr. Criswell. But Dr. Truett was a very gifted preacher. And you know, in Texas, everything's bigger in Texas, Right? I've been there. Everything's bigger in Texas, trust me, because they got plenty of room to spread out. 
Ours are all in mountains. We flatten the mountains, we'd be bigger than Texas. But Dr. Truett was preaching in some part of Texas, and somebody that heard him preach wanted to take him out to his ranch. And they got out to the ranch, they got out of the car, and this man said to Dr. Truett, he said, Preacher, as far as you can see in that direction, I own it. Preacher, as far as you can see in that direction, I own it. Preacher, as far as you can see in that direction, I own it. And then he turned around and he said, Preacher, as far as you can see in that direction, I own it. Dr. Truett thought for a moment and then he looked up to heaven and he said, How much do you own up there? We're so concerned about amassing things in this world. We've got to get bigger and better. We can never be contented or satisfied. We're always being told that there's something more in this world. And there's a place to have some of the things of this world to enjoy the life that God has given to us, but not to the expense of what is the central mission of the church, which means every one of us. The mission is spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. So let me ask you a question. How much have you laid up up there? When you give to missions, you're enriched spiritually, but you're enriched eternally because the fruit abounds to your account. It abounds to your account. There's a third reason why we should consider partnering with missionaries through giving, and that is because it pleases the Lord. Don't you want to please the Lord? And please let me help you to understand something. There is nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. There's no way for you to please the Lord to the degree that he would let you into heaven on the basis of what you've done. If that were possible, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have had to die such an ignominious death. He wouldn't have been raised from the grave and ascended back to the Father. None of that would have been necessary. The reality is we can never please God enough so that we can get into heaven on the basis of what we've done. We only get into heaven by believing in Jesus for eternal life. Receiving the gift that he has promised to all who believe in Jesus. But after you've believed in Jesus and you've received the gift of eternal life, don't you want to please the Lord? I mean, you've been the recipient of such incredible grace that's been bestowed upon you. Don't you now want to do what you can to say, Lord, I want to say thank you and I want to please you with my life. He says that giving to missions, he says to these Philippian believers, not only does your giving meet my needs, not only are you enriched by your giving, fruit that abounds to your account. But I want you to know that when you give, you are pleasing to the Lord in giving to the cause of missions. Look at it, verse, verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. I have received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Now listen to his terminology. There's a flourish of Old Testament sacrificial terminology, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. There it is. Well pleasing to God. Wow. He says your giving is well pleasing to God. Certainly we want to please God. Amen. We want to please God. Take your, keep your place here, but take your Bible and open to 2 Corinthians for just a moment, chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 for just a moment. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians. This is where the concept of faith promise comes in. 
giving that pleases the Lord. Chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. Paul writes to the Corinthians, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed, now listen, on the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia is the territory where Philippi is found, where the Philippian church is located. So he's talking here, at least in part, about the Philippians. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, that's one side of it, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Wow. Do you see the total opposites? This deep joy and their deep poverty, this abundance of joy and their deep poverty. And yet, because of this joy, it overcame the poverty to be liberal in their giving. Verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and here's faith promise, and beyond their ability, they were willing. How do you give beyond your ability? You look at your checking account and you say, this is how much I have. That's your ability. How do you give beyond that ability? By trusting God and saying, God, I will be a spring. I will be a I will be a channel of those resources. If you will provide them to me, I will give above and beyond what I'm giving at this moment. And you learn to live every single day trusting the Lord to provide those resources so that you can give above your ability. That's faith promise. He goes on. Imploring, verse 4, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You hear what Paul says? The Philippian believers who are in the territory of Macedonia out of their poverty, but because of their great joy, became liberal in their giving, not just according to their ability, but beyond their ability, trusted God and said, Lord, we will be that channel of your resources. If you provide them, we won't dam up the channel. We won't hoard it. We will be an open channel, like a spring, for your resources to come in and to go out. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says, that's a sacrifice that pleases God. A sacrifice that pleases God. Did you know that you're a priest? Did you know you're a priest? You don't have to go find the priest to confess your sins. Now, I'm more than happy to listen to you confess your sins as long as you don't mind if I use them in an illustration and a message at some point. Do you know that you have as much access to God as I have to God? You are a priest to the Lord. You are a holy priesthood bringing sacrifices to the Lord every single day. We bring the sacrifice of total commitment. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. Hebrews 13, 15, we bring the sacrifice of soul winning, bringing others to faith in Jesus. Romans 15, 16, we bring the sacrifice of missions giving. Hebrews 13, 16, and Philippians 4, 18. And every day as priests, we are bringing our sacrifice to the Lord. And God says, when you bring gifts that are given to the cause of missions, whether it's the local mission or it's the international mission, what we call faith, faith promise, then the result is that God is pleased. I don't, I don't know about you, but I want to please the Lord. I don't always please the Lord. I don't always please Mary either. I don't always please you. 
I mess up just like the rest of us. I don't always please the Lord, but I know deep down in my heart more than anything else, I want to please the Lord. I believe you want to please the Lord. Here's one of the ways we please him. And finally, we should consider partnering with missionaries through giving because it releases God's resources. Now listen carefully. Verse 19 has been so misused for so long. You can't claim verse 19 if you haven't practiced verses 10 to 18. Verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But to whom did he say that? He said that promise. He gave that promise inspired by the Holy Spirit. He gave that promise to a church that was giving. To a church that was participating in missions. And when you're giving... And you're giving to what is the central cause of the church. You're keeping your eye on the ball. The result is, God says, that I'll open the windows of heaven and all that you need, not all of your greeds, but all of your needs will be met. I will take care of it. Mary and I have been married 44 years. I know I look too young to have been married that long. I know Mary looks too young to have been married that long. 44 years, we've been giving to Faith Promise Missions from the very first day that we became husband and wife. We were giving to Faith Promise Missions before we became husband and wife. We have never not given to Faith Promise Missions above our tithes in 44 years of marriage. And God has never failed to supply all that we need. Can I just tell you, as a congregation, a church, every once in a while, somebody will come to me and they'll say, oh, pastor, why don't we cut back on missions? No! Have you lost your mind? We don't cut back on missions. If anything, we increase the work of missions. Why? Because it brings fruit that abounds to your account. Because it opens the resources of God to your need. Think about this. We are a debt-free church. Did you know that? We're in debt to nobody. But we have built over the years, nearly going on 30, 38 years, we've built several million dollars worth of buildings. We've bought multiple properties. When I came here, we started out on a lot across the other side of Forest Heights. And we bought property after property on this side of the road, on that side of the road. We bought multiple houses. We just paid cash for a house behind us. You say, well, you've got rich people in your church. Well, will you introduce them to me? I would like to meet them because we have some conversations I want to have with them. Do you know why God has provided those needs again and again and again? And a generation comes and they say, oh, you know what we ought to do is take that money we're giving to world missions and invest it locally. No. No. We are invested locally in what we are doing through the work of this church and we are invested internationally through faith promise, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And you know what, God? We have never in 30, almost 38 years operated in the red. We have never defaulted on a payment. We've never had to ask 
for them to give us some extra time to make a payment. But that's the result of good stewards who oversee the money. But more importantly, it's the result of people who understand that when you give to the cause of missions, you open up the windows of heaven for God to pour you out blessings. And if you haven't seen the blessings around here, get your head out of the sand. God has provided over and over. We're never, as long as I'm pastor, and I can't be here forever, but as long as I'm pastor, we're never going to become a social gospel church. We're not ever going to try to fix all of the ills of society. We will do what we can. We will participate where we can. But our purpose is not saving America or saving the world. Our purpose is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Don't you think if God could take care of the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness that he can take care of us? Some of you ladies won't like this. Some of you men won't like this. But they didn't have to buy a pair of shoes for 40 years. God sometimes meets by allowing things to last longer than they're supposed to last. And sometimes God meets the need by providing what you never thought you had. And I don't know how many times through the years God has given to Mary and me and we had no idea it was even coming. And God provided the faith promise. You get what I'm saying to you? We've got to be givers. The Apostle Paul finishes out a letter to the Philippians talking about why it's so important that they give. It's important that they give because it helps the needs of the missionary, the practical needs of the missionary, because it enriches them, fruit that abounds to their account. It pleases God that they're involved in the central work of God in this world. And it opens the resources of heaven to provide for what you need. Paul's challenging every one of us. Get involved. Many of you are involved. But if you've not gotten involved, I'm not asking you to take your tithe and give it to missions. I'm asking you to let God make you a channel of resources you don't even have at this moment. And that God wants to provide to you so that it's a faith promise. You got a card in the mail. If you're a member or a regular tender, you got a card in the mail, a place for you to indicate what you intend to give weekly or monthly. No place for you to sign your name, no place to give your address, no place to tell us who you are. This is between you and God, but you're gonna trust God to be a channel of these resources back and trust Him to supply. I hope you'll join us this year. We begin a new missions year right now. I hope you'll join us this year and help us to do more for the cause of missions than we've ever done before.